Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 313. This all came together and I was like, okay, maybe I should just start this as a business because it's something unique which people don't know here. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, Gift Biz Gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and I'm so happy that you're joining me here today. One of the biggest challenges I hear over and over again from women who are considering turning their hobby into a business is that they don't know how to get started. And they question whether it's possible to make money with their products in the first place. Maybe this sounds a little bit like you. You see people all around opening businesses selling their handmade creations. I mean, they're on Etsy, at craft shows, promoting on Instagram. And then you wonder, how did they make it happen? And now there are other questions too, right? Like, how does the pandemic affect the ability to start a business? And are handmade products something people even buy these days? To find out the answers, I've put together a free class for you called How to Turn Your Handmade Products into an Income-Producing Business. In this class, we cover things like the current state of handmade products, how to determine pricing so that you can actually make money when you sell your products, how to find customers who are the perfect fit for what you sell, and the secret to having loyal customers who are going to come back and buy from you again and again. What would knowing these things mean to you? Solid confirmation that starting your business is not only possible, but a good idea? How to determine pricing so that you can make money selling your products? How to find customers who are a perfect fit? And the secret to having loyal customers who will buy from you again and again. That's all coming up in this class, and you don't want to miss it. It's starting soon and totally free. To select a time that works for you, go to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash masterclass. That's giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash masterclass. A couple of weeks ago, you heard from Hamena, one of my Makers MBA students from last year. And today, I am so excited to introduce you to another fabulous student. You know, (laughs) it feels funny to call them that because we work so closely together in my program that Maybe they begin as students, but very quickly become friends. So let me introduce you to my friend, Sophie. She started her business just before we met, and wow, she has made giant strides since then. If I had to tell you how she does this, it would be that she's always interested in learning, testing ideas, and building on what she discovers through taking the next step always moving forward. So let's take action now and jump right over to hear from Sophie. Today, I am so excited to introduce you to Sophie Lakshmanan. Sophie is the face behind Miss Papercraft, a paper quilling store making intricate jewelry, ornaments, and keepsake dolls. 
She paper quilled as a hobby when she was in India, making gifts for friends and family. And then, after moving to the U.S., she noticed that paper quilling wasn't widely known here and jumped at the opportunity. Her goal is to share the paper quilling experience with more people through her jewelry, DIY craft kits, and online classes. And also, a side fun fact, Sophie is also a chartered accountant on the side. Sophie, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Thank you so much, Sue, for having me here. I am so excited, and we've gotten to know each other quite well over the last year or so, but I'm really excited for this first traditional question because I don't really know for sure what your answer is going to be. So let me ask it and let's see what you have to say. (laughs) So to help our listeners better understand who you are in a creative way, if you were to create a motivational candle that really speaks to you, what would it look like by color and quote? So my color is going to be teal because that's my brand color and that's my favorite color. Anything has to be teal for me. So it's always teal. And my quote, I had to think about it. And what I usually see on a day-to-day basis is everything happens for a reason. We might not know why immediately, but eventually we'll know everything will fall in place and we'll get to know this is why this happened. A simple example, our interview, we were supposed to start half an hour ago and then you had some network issues and I was running a little late, but your network issues helped me finish up the things which I wanted to do in between. So it's like, you didn't know why that happened, but then there was a reason for it because I was running late. So everything happens for a reason, kind of. Yes. But you don't always know what the reason is when it's happening. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's a good point. The mystery is going to be revealed in the future. Yeah. For us, it was really quick. It was in with 30 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'll hear people talk about how they've started their business later and they didn't really even understand why things that they were doing when they were younger had so much passion and they spent so much time on it. And they did it then just for enjoyment. But then they look back and they say, wow, that helped me so much for what I'm doing today. True. That's also my story, actually. Then that was perfect. See, we're already doing it. (laughs) Yeah, that's why that quote really sticks to me, because I didn't know why I was doing it, but now I know why. Right. Always for a reason. All right. Well, share with us a little bit of your journey into where you've gotten to today. So my journey is I'm a paper quilling artist, as you said, and I started paper quilling way back in 2012. And that was just for fun, to make some birthday gift for a friend. That's where it all started. I was looking up online on YouTube for something new to do. And this just came up. And I was like, okay, let me try that. It kind of worked out within half an hour. I could just make something. And with something entirely new, which I hadn't done, I was so impressed with what I could do with that. So I started looking at more videos and doing more gifts. Since then, every gift I make, I would try to do something paper quilling in it because most people are not aware of it. So when they see something which is made of paper, which looks real, they're like amazed. And I just love that expression, seeing them. They're like amazed seeing the gift. And then I get to tell a story about how and what the gift is. And I remember that gift for a very long time. That is really true because that's happened to me. As I've gotten to know you over the course of this year, you will show some pictures online 
And I'm like, wait, no, Sophie, is that paper quilled as a base or you paper quilled that whole thing? Like, it's astounding and amazing to me that that's all paper quilling. And now I've gotten to see it a little bit more and understand it better. But that exact experience that you just described happened. And it happened to others of us who were exposed to you, too. It's like, whoa, wow, really? (laughs) Yeah, the one paper quilling item which I made is my favorite and that's a story which I keep telling again and again everywhere. I'm pretty sure you know that too. It's a cake which I made for my mom's surprise birthday. Tell the story for everyone to hear. That's a good one. Okay so me and my brother we were actually planning a surprise birthday for my mom and then me and my friend we wanted to make something for with paper quilling and we were looking at things to do and then we saw this paper quill cake online and so we're like okay let's make a small one and then after that we're like no let's make a real cake a real size cake so she thinks it's a cake and since it's a surprise and we're going to give the cake also as a surprise she's not going to know that it's not real and we're going to prank her on her surprise birthday so we design what we want to do and then we make my mom go buy all the supplies and come and she has absolutely no doubt of what I'm doing she just buys everything. I buy like so much brown paper for the chocolate cake and I bought like so much and she didn't ask me one single question. And I had all of that and I was making and my friend was also making and my friend would take some supplies home. She'll make and when she comes to my house, she'll hide it in her bag and she'll just sneak it inside to my room so my mom doesn't see. And then we do <laughs> all this behind my mom's back and we made the whole thing. We had invited some friends for the surprise birthday and we told them, hey, this is there, but we're not going to show you before the actual surprise. And everybody was waiting to see what that is. And we wrapped it in an actual cake box too, to make it look real, take that real element to another level. So if you had looked at the cake box, you would have just thought it's a real cake. So we had it like that. And we did all of that. And then at the surprise birthday, we had another actual cake too. We just didn't want to fool everybody with a paper cake. So we had an actual cake also so we can eat that. So we had her cut the actual cake first. And then we told her we didn't know the other person was also getting a cake. So now we have two cakes. And we said, we're going to sing happy birthday for you again. And we made her say a stand. We sang happy birthday again. And then we gave her this cake. And she takes the knife and she goes real close to the cake and she's like, oh no, this is not real. (laughs) (laughs) This is a paper cake. You guys made this. Oh, that story. I can never forget. And this is years ago and I still remember it to so much detail and that's what I love it. Yeah. And it was such an experience for you and your friend to be able to do that together and your mom unknowingly helping conspire, even though she didn't know <laughs> it was for her. Yeah, she was like, I bought all this paper and I didn't know. <laughs> and so now one of your products is a miniature, so intricate, so beautiful little cake, wedding cake, right? Yes, I did that as a Christmas ornament. So that mini cake, it fits inside your hand. It's that small, but it looks like the original cake, which I made for my mom. And then this goes on the Christmas tree. That is an amazing story. So you had a great experience. I love the idea that initially when you were looking for something for your friend, that you just didn't go out and buy 
any type of a present, you were, I guess, weren't seeing something that you really wanted that was unique enough, which is why you decided to make something. Yes, true. Because I love to do DIY stuff. And I get so much happiness in making something with my own hands rather than just go buy a gift from the store. So I always look for something to make. When it comes to friends and family, it's like I always have to make something. And they always know that when I gift them a gift, it's something handmade. Love it. Absolutely love it. And so then, as you are exposed more to the culture here in the U.S., you saw there's a whole missing element to handmade, which is paper quilling. And you already knew it and you already loved it. So you saw an opening for yourself and share with us when that occurred and what you decided to do about it. When I was back in India, I would do paper quilling only as a hobby. And when I moved to the U.S. too, it was still a hobby. I never dreamt of me being a businesswoman. I always thought I was going to be a person with a corporate job. When I moved to the U.S. and I was actually looking for paper quilling supplies in Michael's and other stores, and I couldn't find as much. I believe only Hobby Lobby is the one which has. And then I was looking around here locally if any paper quilling products was there so I could meet people who are doing paper quilling. You have mastermind groups or just a fun group. And that's what I was looking for. And I couldn't find any of it here. And then I went to a craft fair and the huge craft fair which happened, there was just one person I believe, who had something in paper quilling, but that's it. But you could find so many more people doing clay, glass, and origami and all of that. But paper quilling was just not known here. And when I spoke to the new friends who I made here, they also didn't know what paper quilling meant. So I had to like do a whole explaining thing. And then slowly, there were some people who told me like, hey, you could probably teach it because not many people know that here. And that was one starting point. And then I love making jewelry for myself, like earrings to match my clothes. So when I came here, I was just making earrings just to match my clothes, different colors and designs just to do that. So many people were impressed looking at that. So all of that together, one after the other, they just all came together. And I was like, okay, maybe I should just start this as a business because it's something unique which people don't know here. Yeah and the thing that's so interesting about all of this is most hobby categories are pretty much covered like you're saying glass or even in paper crafts it's scrapbooking or other types of things but you identified and saw that paper quilling wasn't really happening here And you started getting these little bird seeds, I'll almost say, of ideas that led to the final thought of maybe I should turn this into a business because you saw that there was an opening. So there's potential. Then you're making things for yourself and people are saying, oh, those are beautiful. And maybe you should do something with this, right? So those were little clues. I'll call them bird crumbs since I started with that analogy, leading you to the idea. So there was evidence out there that this could have potential. I bring it up and I say it again just for people who are listening. If there's something that they encounter in either of these ways, that they see an opening in something that they're doing and that there aren't a lot of people, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. That could be even more of a reason 
to pursue it because there's an opportunity for you to slip in and be one of the main leaders of that category. Or if it's a category that's already populated, like let's just say jewelry, Sophie, you're doing your jewelry in just a different way, right? And you're seeing people liking what you're doing. They're complimenting you. Did you have people asking you to make earrings for them? Yes, I have had that too. They would want a specific color, specific design, this theme. They have Mm -hmm. a friend in mind and they say, this friend likes this and I want her to give her this color because she likes so-and-so color, like blue. And then I want to do this design. And I'm like, okay, I will work something out and get back to you. So it's super fun to create custom pieces. Yeah. So you got some things together. Talk with us a little bit about that first show you went to. Oh, yes. When you ran into that other paper quilling person, were you just walking the show as a visitor or were you already exhibiting? No, that was, I believe, in the first few months of when I moved to the U.S. I was just walking through the show. I didn't have the business idea at that time. I was just walking and I just wanted to go to a craft fair and see what's happening there. That's it. I see. Okay. At that time, I didn't think about the business, as I said. And if I had known, I would have actually got her contact. So now I don't even know who she is, which is like... I don't know where to go look for her because this happened like a few years ago, but I know there is somebody, but I don't know who she is. Well, she may end up running into you online with paper quilling as things progress here. Yeah, someday. What was the transition then to starting your business? Take us through your activities of doing that. The way I start my business is I wanted to display it in craft shows because Obviously, people don't know what it is, so they would want to see and feel it before they actually buy it, because it's so much more easier when they can actually see the product than through online. So that's why my first strategy was to focus more on craft shows. So I went to one craft show, which I was interested in, and I spoke to the organizer and talked to her about becoming a vendor. And she said, this is super unique. And she had jewelries there, but she said, this is so much more different. So let's do that. And a few months later, I was in that craft show and that was my first one. And I just had earrings in them because I didn't know there's so many things you can make with paper quilling. And I just stuck to something which I do on a day-to-day basis. So that was earrings. And I just did earrings for that. The craft show to be honest, did not go as well as I expected because it rained suddenly in the middle of May, which was super weird. It doesn't happen. And the turnout was extremely lower than what they expect Mm -hmm. for their craft fair. So there was not much turnover and I made two or three sales. We even planned for a paper quilling class to make earrings. But since it was raining and Also, because people didn't know what it was, there wasn't anybody who turned up. So we had to actually cancel that class. So I would say that overall, that craft show was not great. But then that was a huge learning experience for me. Give us a couple of the learning tips for people who are thinking of doing their first live shows. So I got to know how to set up a booth. It's only when you actually set up the booth, you come across all the problems, the smaller problems, which come up, which you don't think ahead of time. 
there's so many things to it and when we do it for the first time you actually don't think about those possibilities if it's windy you know you need to have all the weights so your tent doesn't fly away things like that or if it's raining you need to make sure everything is covered there's so many things which you get to know only when you do an actual craft fair so when i did the craft fair though i didn't monetarily get much i just learned so much by way of how to set up how to interact with my neighboring booths the vendors i made some contacts there so i still know them i still do run into one of them out here she's local to my place so i do run into her from time to time so i made some contacts i know what i should do how to display your prices there's a way if it's flat or if you have too many price signs people are going to get confused you need to invite people in one way to the booth and there is a progression throughout your booth so it's like a story kind so unless you actually do it you're not going to think about all these things so that way i learned a lot yeah and i guess i would say that each booth is going to be different too based on the way you display things so it really has to be a learning for yourself you can listen to what other people say but then with your products and the way you've decided to display with the cases or if you're displaying things on twigs for a background, whatever, it's all going to be different a little bit based on what you do with the imagery that you have and the way you're displaying in your booth. So I love what you're talking about here with this first show of it being so much more than just the sales. I mean, the sales too. And were two or three of those sales from strangers? There was... one from a stranger and the other two were from other vendors other vendors okay but people that you didn't know before the show yeah true which is also telling you that there's interest in your products right yes there's so much that you can learn from a show how to set up a booth relationships with other vendors getting feedback on your product all of that yes yeah okay so you did your first show And what year was that? This was 2019, two years ago. Yeah, okay. And were you going to make another comment about the show? Oh, uh, no. So that was my first show. I was going to say my second show was also something similar and it didn't go out great. Oh no. What happened there? Was it a weather thing again or something else? No, the first one was a indoor thing and it was raining outside so people didn't turn up. The second one was It was partly my fault because I didn't research about the food traffic for that show. So I got to know later that it was like not as much food traffic as I wanted. Plus it was extremely windy on that day. I couldn't keep any of my products upright. Everything had to be flat on my table otherwise it's going to fly away. So I had to literally put everything down. Oh dear. <laughs> so learning. So what is your position right now about shows? today. Now I'm pretty like comfortable. I know where I need like the foot traffic. I need to do I need to research that needs to be a certain foot traffic so I only then it's worth my time to go do the tent setup and do all the display. And then arranging the products in a particular way so it's not all over the place and they can see this is earrings and this is ornaments and this is that. So there's a clear categorization and the biggest thing which I learned which is I believe it's specific to me is because I have to tell them that this is made of paper because I've had people ask me 
oh, I assume this was made of wood. I thought this was made of clay. They just say something. No, it's made of paper. And then they're like, oh, okay, this is so different. And then they're super interested in it. But otherwise, they just assume it's something and they just walk away. Yeah. And that makes so much sense, knowing your products and having some of your earrings. I could see where people Mm -hmm. would think that it was wood, yet it is paper. And honestly, and I've told you this before, Sophie, I was surprised because the earrings that I've gotten from you are bigger than the normal size earrings that I normally wear, but they're so light. They're light yes, and they're durable because however you coat it, industry secret probably for making your <laughs> earrings, but you would think if they're earrings of paper, what, you're going to be able to wear them one or two times and then it's over? No, they're so durable, but I would think that they were wood. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And then my third craft fair was like the game changer for me, because at that point, I was just thinking people are not interested in paper quilling. They just don't know what it is and they don't want to buy it because until then, I hadn't actually seen the reaction from people. So I was in that state. I didn't know that there was other factors which were actually causing the fact that nobody's coming and buying. So in the third craft fair, I had no expectations. It was a bigger craft fair, though, in our city, so I was excited for that, but I didn't know what to expect out of it. I made ornaments and earrings. It was a Christmas craft fair in 2019, and that was by far my best craft fair because my ornaments just sold out in the morning. There were, like, probably one or two left. Everything went off in, like, a couple of hours in the morning. That's it. And I was so surprised by that. What I did a little different craft fair is every person who would walk by, I would say hello. I would say good morning. I would say just come in and look by. And then I would tell them that this is made of paper. I would be very specific to tell them that so they know it's made of paper. And the reason behind that was I started to realize that what I know about paper quilling is not the same what the customer knows about paper quilling. So I had to actually spell it out to them so they understand it. And that actually worked out. I had so many great conversations. I even had one person who found me on Etsy at that time because I didn't have a So she found me on Etsy afterwards and she said she needs so many more ornaments because she just loved them. And that was my best craft fair. And what if you would have stopped after the second one? What if you would have just said, no, this isn't working? That's also true, but I'm so glad I did the other one. What made you decide to do it again? You had two that didn't turn out as well as you would have liked. I actually paid for it before. So that's why I didn't go back. I had to pay like three, four months ahead of time to get in because I was a new vendor. So I had already done it. I had been to that craft fair the previous year, so I knew it was a bigger one at that time. And I, so I was like, I'm just going to go all in on that. I had paid it before. Well, I'm so glad you did. And I think what I'm hearing from you is each show you analyzed afterwards, what happened, what you might want to do differently for the next show, and then you go and implement that and then get better yet again. And then you saw, now you have kind of a recipe for making shows work for you and what types of shows to look at and attend and all of that. 
All right. I have so much to talk with you about. We're going to move on because <laughs> we could okay. talk about shows like this forever. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right. What was the next step in the development of your business? What did you do after this? So now we're at the end of 2019. After that, I believe I had a month break. I was on vacation. And then when I came back, I started to look for craft shows again. But that was also around the time when the pandemic set in. Right. It was just before the lockdown started. So I was little, like, I didn't want to do craft fairs because it was going to be too much in person. And a few weeks later, anyway, the pandemic came and everything got shut down. So I was looking for a different way to sell. And my whole business was based on I wanted to do a craft fair so people can see and get to know. And now that was going to be something which I couldn't do right now. And I was looking for different things. That was also around the same time when I listened to your masterclass and your Makers MBA. So I had listened to this six months before. And at that time, I didn't join Makers MBA because at that point, it was around my second craft fair, I believe. And I was listening to so many podcasts and so many of these masterclasses. And at the end of every masterclass, I would be like, the person would sell some program for so many thousand dollars. And I'll be like, no, I don't want to do this. It just became a pattern. It was just becoming too much on me. So I was lost. And I had listened to yours six months ago and I didn't join. But then I was still listening to your podcast very frequently. And I just loved your content. And I've told you this before, I was listening to somebody else's podcast and it was the same thing based on craft business, but then they made the podcast sound so sad. And right after that podcast, I was listening to yours back to back and I'm like, this one feels so happy. The overall mood in the podcast was so different. And that was also a point where I started listening to more of your podcast. And I just love the content and you're doing the weekly podcast is so amazing. And then when I did your masterclass, I believe in March, I instantly joined the Makers MBA because now I needed somebody to guide me to tell me what's my other option, how else to go from there. That's why I came to Makers MBA at that point. Well, I love hearing that story again. And thank you for all the compliments. They make my day <laughs> for sure. So I appreciate all of that. And as I'm listening to you talking about it, I remember me during that time because we were already doing the webinars, the masterclass. But in my heart, I was saying, do I shut all this down? How right is it to be talking about starting your business now? and having people invest in it? Or should we shut it down? Like, what was the right thing to do? And I'm so glad that you talk about the fact that it came at the right time for you, because that just reinforces that keeping it open was right. And as you know, we had amazing people, like in your group for last year, it was an amazing group of people. I appreciate you saying that, because now I kind of feel like if we would have shut it down, you and I would have never connected. True. And that would be terrible. <laughs> yeah maybe we would have yeah so what I want to say is that the makers MBA actually taught me so many things which I never thought of when I started in 2019 since I have learned the business side in like my education wise 
So I knew I had to get some licenses before I start. So I'm like legally set. But what I didn't know is that I need to go do networking. I need to have a website to, because that's my space and email list. And all of those things were super new to me. And I didn't think those were necessary. I just went ahead with getting some licenses, making some products and going to craft shows. That's all I did. But doing the course actually showed me there are so many factors which play a role out there. Yeah. And as you know, you can go back to that course anytime now, you know, and re-look at all of the different modules, enhance what you're doing, all of that. And I want all of you guys who are listening, you have to go and look at Sophie's website. We spent a lot of time on it. It looks beautiful. I love it so much. Thank you for all of that. Just a little inside peek for some other people about what Makers MBA looks like, because it will be coming up again shortly. We do this once a year. So right now, no one can join, but shortly they will be able to. And I'm looking forward to seeing who comes in for this next round. It's always fun. But another thing that's part of Makers MBA that you are a rock star at, Sophie, is social media. You are crazy. In fact, after Makers MBA, there's an opportunity to continue working with me through the VIP program, which you're doing. And you've now become a teacher within VIP of how to do video on social, which is so exciting. Just to see your progress over the course of this year has been amazing. Let's talk a little bit about social media and I think your journey there. What platform did you start on? How have you enhanced it? And then let's merge into the video too. Social media, the topic everyone wants to know about all the time. And we are going to hear what Sophie has to say about it right after this quick break. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or find packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. So I started on Instagram and Facebook and Till today, I still use only those two, and it's more of Instagram than Facebook. How did you decide? What was the reasoning behind your choices? Because on a personal profile, I was using more of Instagram, and I loved how it's just a photograph and just a caption below it. So I was more drawn towards Instagram than Facebook because Facebook was having so many things happening out there. They had the groups and then they had, I don't know, it was just the caption or just a picture in caption. And there was like so many things which I had to learn. And on my personal side, I was just more drawn to Instagram. So I just switched to Instagram for business. So a good point for people who are listening, you felt very comfortable and you enjoyed that platform, which is why you gravitated there. Yeah, I need something which is broken down into a proper system so I can understand it. 
and Instagram made more sense to me because it was a photo with a caption and it was pretty standard at that time when I was using it personally. Now there's so much more, but for me, I need something which is standardized and set. There should be a system behind it. Otherwise, it's difficult for me to comprehend. So that's the reason I chose Instagram. And till today, I am still preferring Instagram because I just love all the new features they put in there. But I will still say that social media is a struggle for me because you need to be more consistent with it. And I find it so difficult to be consistent because I do my small business as well as work my nine to five. So there are two things which I do and there's so much on my plate. So it's still a struggle, but I love doing my Instagram, especially the videos. As you said, I love a new app where I have to go and find out what is this feature and how it works. So I love to go dig into all the new apps which come around. And I do look for new apps on Instagram and see what other people use. And that's how I came across the InShot app, and which I love to date to make videos, reels, all of it. And that's the app which I actually showed all of you how to use. It's so great. I'd love for all of you guys to go over and see Sophie's Instagram account because you'll see the videos and the reels and all of that that she does. And she does most of it, if not all of your videos now with InShot, right? Yes. But they're so creative the way you speed it up, slow it down, talk about it, show yourself on camera, right? Which a lot of people are so anxious about doing. But it's one thing to listen to Sophie's voice, which is so calming and peaceful. I know you're all experiencing that through the audio here. But then when you see her on camera talking about her pieces, you can't help but love her even more. And that's the power of going live and doing videos, right? Not just of yourself, but also of you making product and all of that. So Sophie, you are such a perfect, perfect example of this. Can you help anybody who's like, that is so super scary to me. I don't want to put my face out there. What would you say to somebody who's just so tentative about that? Instagram has a lot of filters. If you don't want to show your face, (laughs) put a filter on your face and make it look crazy so they just get distracted by it. If you actually don't want to literally show your face, you could still talk from behind your phone and show your hands and make something. That still works because that's still a video and you're actually doing something people can see and they hear your voice. They don't see your face. Eventually, you can show your face. But to begin with, you can just show something with just your hands, how you're making it. So it's a start for you to get comfortable one thing at a time. Do your voice first and then show your face. It just takes small steps. Yeah, step by step. Well, and the other thing that's really nice about Instagram now is it's transitioned from being this picture-perfect, beautifully organized, upscale magazine to being more real and authentic and who you are. So that takes a little bit of the edge off if we're not all graphic designers and we don't have the grid laid out exactly perfect and you know all those things. <laughs> yeah, it just reduces a little bit of stress that the grid doesn't have to be like a magazine. But since there are like more subscribers right now than ever, so you still need better photos to stand out from the crowd. In that whole explore page which you see, there's like so many things which is happening. And only when you're 
picture stands out, people are actually going to click that and come to it. You still need a good picture. Yeah, good pictures in the feed. But then if you're in stories, that should be just you day to day. We're not going to go into the whole Instagram thing. But I really wanted to talk about video and the value of video and also you showing up in front of the camera. And do you, Sophie, see that those are the most engaged posts or the posts that you get the most views, the ones that are video? Absolutely true, Sue, because I have done a few Instagram reels. And till now, the best ones for me are the ones where my face is there in it. The ones where I'm not there, like it's just my hand or if it's just some product, it's not done as well as the ones where my face is there in it. That's interesting. I would have thought that they would be equal. No, they're not. Because the ones you do with your hands, because you're showing how the pieces are coming together and you've speed it up. So I thought they would be equally as engaging, but you're saying with your face. So I love that. Well, plus you're so super cute. <laughs> There's that. Yeah, there are so many factors which play into which Instagram reel works or not. It's the time and the hashtags and it's like your caption and it's actually what's in your reel also. So there's so many factors, but from the few which I have done, the ones where my face is there has done really better than the ones where my face is not there. Okay. Interesting. Something for us all to remember and do. <laughs> Put your fears aside and just do it. All right. I want to move on once again here. We've talked about craft shows face-to-face, and I was so happy that you joined us last December for the online craft show with the at-home craft and gift show. So I'd love to talk through a little bit of that experience. And let me just brief people who are listening who don't know about that. So this is not a face-to-face trade show, like a wholesale show that just went online. It's also not a direct-to-consumer show that would normally be face-to-face that went online. This is a brand new platform and company. It's called At Home Events, and I am sponsoring their craft and gift shows. But the whole point is it's specifically made for online and also direct to consumer. So the first Craft and Gift show was last December. And Sophie, you were a participant. And so I'd love to have you talk through your experience with that. So that craft show was really amazing to me on different aspects. But I also have to give another background. The day this online craft show began, The same day, I had another in-person craft show schedule, which was the same Christmas fair as the previous year in 2019. So I was first doubtful whether I could do both. And I even called you, Sue, telling that, hey, it's both are there and I don't think I can do. But then I thought, let's just do both. I can still do the video calls from my booth and I can actually turn it around and actually show the booth which I have for display at my craft fair in the virtual show. So I just tried to turn it around and do it that way. But then my in-person craft fair got canceled in the last minute. So it ended up being a good thing. (laughs) Yeah, it actually ended up being a good thing because I could like fully do the online craft for in like 100% or I'd say 200% because now I was more invested because one craft fair got canceled. It got canceled like four days before the actual event. So I was super stressed for that. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And that's not great for you because at that point, you have a lot of product already made. And they probably were also, did you have ornaments for that as well? 
Yes, because the previous year, my ornaments sold out super quick and I didn't have anything to show the people after who came like in the afternoon. So I made more ornaments this time. I was like being prepared because they were pretty sure that the event was going to happen. The previous year, I paid three, four months ahead for the show. And this time they just took the money only three weeks before saying that we want to be absolutely sure before we go ahead. And they were like, absolutely sure. But then four days before the event, they were like, nope. There's a lockdown again. We cannot have the craft fair. Yeah. I mean, out of their control. It wasn't their fault, of course. Yeah. Out of their control, yeah. Yeah. But that is one good thing about online shows is it doesn't matter about the weather. <laughs> it doesn't matter yeah. about a virus. It can go on regardless. Plus, it's a national audience. So if you would have been able to do both at the same time, you would have been able to capture your local audience and then also the national audience. And it's almost you putting the same amount of time in and getting more bang for your buck, really. Yes. Now that one show was not there and I had only one show to give my full attention to, so I was all in into it. So I redid the craft fair display at home. So when they would come to my virtual booth, they would actually see me with all the craft display. And I also did a live demo, like at specific time, so people can come in and see how paper quilling actually works. And the best part of all this is I could actually reach out to friends and family who are not in my place and tell them, hey, I am doing this and it's an online event. So you can also join in because until then it was all local craft fairs and all my family was so far away. So they couldn't, even if I tell them, it's not that they're going to come over here for the physical craft fair. So having it online, it's like gave me an advantage to tell them this is happening. So you guys can join in from wherever you are. You don't have to be there in my place. You can just join from wherever you are and you can see everything. And it's just not me. There's so many more people out there, so many different handmade people. So it's like the perfect place to get your Christmas gifts. So it was like a big win-win-win for me. Well, and the other thing I'm thinking too is now that you're so active, and I know you're saying you need to post more and all of that, but you collected a lot of Instagram followers too, who now would have the opportunity to also show up and see you. Yes, it's a lot. I did collect some emails too, so I can email them now, which I didn't do before because I didn't know how to collect emails before. So it's like so many learnings happened over that one craft fair. Yeah, well, that is one of the great things. And that's one of the reasons why I am so, so excited about being connected with at-home events is, and you know this already, Sophie, but for people who aren't familiar with it, there are more and more people who are starting to do some of these virtual online shows because everyone's seeing that this is a good opportunity moving forward. The couple of things that At Home Events does differently is they do a lot of training behind the scenes to show you the elements to have in place. And one of them is to collect emails because we want this to be all inclusive of what you should be doing just as an overall business. So you took advantage of that. I know a lot of vendors did. And for some people, it was the very first time they'd ever taken emails. So it was the start to the email list. The other thing that's different with this show is, as Sophie is referencing that she could talk with people, there's a live element. So Sophie is at her home booth in this case, or you could have been at your show booth if you were doing both of the shows. And if someone wanted to pop in and talk with Sophie directly, there was a button and 
let's face it, it wasn't Zoom technology, but we're also comfortable with Zoom now. People can do that and feel comfortable and talk directly with you, Sophie. So did you have a lot of people popping in and saying hi and asking questions? I wouldn't say a lot, but I had a few people who did pop in to see what it was. And I had a few people join in for the demo. So it was overall, it was fine because there were so many booths. I understand if a person cannot go to every single booth, but I did have a few people who came in and they saw what it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think we also, as this becomes more standard and people start seeing that this is, especially with at-home events, that this is something that they can do, because you know that there are people who are in, there in December who will start coming to the other shows because now they know about it and they know how it works. So I think there'll be more booth interaction as we move forward, too. So, Sophie, I have to say, I really wanted to get into talking about your online DIY projects that you've started. But I don't think we're going to have time to cover it and do it justice. So I would love to have you back on maybe in a month or two where we can talk about that specifically, because that's such a huge opportunity for you. And like I said, I'd like to dive deeper into it a little bit with your experience, how you came about doing it and things like that. Because I think other people here, makers, they're not paper quillers, but other types of makers can be sharing their craft too of how to do things in addition to selling their products. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, super. All right. So I would love for you guys, gift biz listeners, I told you, you have to go back and see Sophie's website now. I'm giving you assignments. (laughs) Website now and Instagram account just to see how things have evolved her products, what she's doing. You've got to see it just for the picture quality, the videos and all of that. But when you're looking, also consider the types of things that you could pick up, not by copying, but just as inspiration of what you can do for your own business too. Sophie, I absolutely adore you. I love that you're part of our Makers MBA community. You are like the model student. (laughs) And you're such a great example of how to build a business because you were very methodical. You were willing to try things out. You continue to do that. And now I'm seeing you kind of making an evolution. You're always building your business, but now you're also paying it forward too to help other makers. And that is just such a beautiful thing to say. So if you were to tell our listeners where they can go and find out more about you, where's the single place that you would want them to go? I would say Instagram. That's my first place, which I'm always there. So that's Instagram. And it's at the rate M-I-S-S underscore P-A-P-E-R underscore C-R-A-F-T. Miss underscore paper underscore craft. Perfect. Wonderful. And what do you see as you move forward? What are you focusing on for this year and the future? So for this year... I am focusing more on craft kits, DIY craft kits, so people can experience paper quilling with their hands. Now that like we spend a lot of time at home and we're just looking for new things to do and paper quilling craft kit is something which is new for most people. For me, I take half an hour, but you have done that too, so I know it takes much more time for a new person to do And it's not just one person doing, you can do that as a family. So in that way, you create like a family time and you get together and create memories making that. 
Absolutely. And so I've been making your snowflakes. And you say it only takes you half an hour to make a whole snowflake? Yes. I think the first time it took me two hours. I was also watching a football game, though. So I did stop when there were good plays. And I jump up and down and scream if my team is winning. Go Bears. (laughs) But I bet you now I might be able to do it in an hour, maybe. I'm not sure. But the thing that's so cool about them, Sophie, is the finished result looks so much more intricate and complicated than when you put it together. I mean, it's such a big impression, but when you know the elements and you follow along with what you instruct and you have a video as well, it's easier. But when you see the finished product, it looks like, oh my gosh, how did you even do that? Yes, that's the whole point. When people see the product, they're like, oh my God, this is so difficult. I don't think I can make this and I don't have crafty hands and all that thing. But then when they actually do it, it's super easy. It's just a repetitive process. And when you put all that together, it looks something totally different. And that's what makes paper real. Yeah. And then you feel really good about yourself too. Like, look at what I did, (laughs) right? Yes. I mean, Nobody knows when you show that to them that it's just a repetitive process, but when they see the whole product, they're like so impressed with it. Yeah. It's just amazing when somebody's impressed with what you do. Yeah. Well, and now you're making more intricate designs. So there's Mm -hmm. more and more. And I know you like that creative side. So I can just see this whole DIY kit expanding and expanding for you. So I love that that's where your focus is. And Gift Biz listeners, we will have Sophie back on. Are you willing to come back on again and talk about that? Of course, Sue, anytime. Okay, I don't want to be presumptuous and tell everybody without asking you first. So you heard it. Sophie says yes. So down the road, it's a couple months from now or so, we'll have Sophie back on and we'll talk about how she's decided to do this, and what is all involved in that. So Sophie, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on, being really honest and sharing with us some insights on how your business has grown. And I am just over the moon and proud and impressed with everything that you're accomplishing. So thanks again for being here today. Thank you so much for having me here, Sue, because I just love talking to you. And this is so amazing for me. And we're going to do it again. So there's the future. (laughs) I know. As we talked about, stay tuned because I'll have Sophie back in a few months to talk about what she's doing with her DIY projects and her consignment opportunities. We've already talked about the progress that she's made with both of these. So there'll be a lot to talk about when she comes back on again. Next week, have you ever wondered if you could sell your business? Now, I know (laughs) if you're just starting, this is the furthest thing from your mind. But there may be a time when your passion switches. And why not make money from something that you've worked so hard at building? We'll get into what to do now so your business has assets that could be sold if ever you decide to go that way. And we'll talk about how to determine what your business is worth. Now, that's an interesting idea, isn't it? Finally, I want to slip in another reminder that you have a short time to sign up for my free class, How to Turn Your Handmade Products into an Income-Producing Business. Go over to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash masterclass, and there you'll see all the details of the times and how to register. Thank you so much for being with me here today. 
If you'd like to show support for the podcast, a rating and review means so much and helps the show get seen by more makers. So it's a wonderful way to pay it forward. Also, make sure to follow the podcast so episodes are automatically downloaded to your phone. That way, you won't miss a thing, including what your business is worth. (laughs) And now, be safe and well, and I'll see you again next week on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun, because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making my favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze. Today, 